Blog Talk Radio. This program is for mature audiences only. Please have your fake ID ready. The following program is brought to you in living color. Ever since I was a child, all I've ever wanted to be was a journalist, to write stories, to be on the radio, to be an observer of the human condition. Throughout my professional life in radio, newspapers, and as a writer with the federal government, I've been true to the journalistic ethic of telling the truth of being accurate, of trying to tell both sides of the story. But I've learned there are people who don't want their story told. In fact, they will do anything to keep you from telling their story. Individually, they are weak, small people who hide in the dark. But when they form a pack, they become dangerous not just to the individual trying to tell their story, but to the very concept of a free press. They want their side of the story told, not the full story. And when a strong, honest, progressive voice comes along, one who captures the ears of honest people, it frightens them. It makes them crazy. Hold the string. Dance to that which one is created for. They will do whatever they have to do by whatever means necessary to silence that voice, either through legal means or other means. The only thing necessary for evil to succeed is if good people do nothing. I choose to do something. I will stand in the face of this wolf pack of right-wing lunatics until I am either silenced by legal means or until they kill me. They will need to find either some way to throw me in jail for telling the truth, or else there will be. Blood on the microphone. Uh, hello. I don't know if you can hear the paper rattling over there, but uh, we'll, we'll right ignore here. it for the time being. Hi, Di. Hello. This is Blood Talk Radio, Blood on the Microphone, and I am Bill Preston Schmalfelt. And I am Diane Preston Schmalfelt. I guess I got to turn that. Here, what I got to do? I got to plug my headphones back in because there's just the slightest bit of delay uh, from your microphone to my speaker, even though it's turned way down. So if uh, that tells your life story, well, I. Well, I am a 47-year-old widow. A girl. Who has over 
a 47-year-old girl. Widow, I a woman. I said widow. Oh, I thought you said girl. I'm sorry. I didn't have my headphones plugged in. That has very recently, within the last 15 years or so, become extremely liberal. <laughs> <laughs> what were you before that? I was a moderate. Uh-huh. And uh, your uh, late husband, what was he? A conservative. How conservative? Uh, he was a believer in a woman should stay home and raise her kids, liberal, uh, conservative. Mm. You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just made a bunch of friends. <laughs> anyway, this is Blood on the Microphone. We'll be here in, uh, at the most two hours, but uh, until we run out of material. And uh, I want to let you know that you can uh, send us a tweet at our brand new Twitter address, which is at blood on the mic and spell Mike M I K E at blood on the mic. That'll come to my attention. And uh, which Twitter account do you prefer die? At truth underscore partner. Okay. And that'll get a hold of you. Also good news. Uh, I've submitted this program to Stitcher Web Radio, uh, and that should be on within the next few days. We're already on iTunes, so if you catch your podcast through iTunes, you can already do that. And I was notified via email this morning that TuneIn.com is adding us to their list of uh, podcast choices, so uh, we hope to... Build our audience. Uh, you can find uh, us on demand at BreitbartUnmasked.com. That's B-R-E-I-T-U-N-M-A-S-K-E-D.com. But if you happen to be listening right now at 7.06 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Friday, May 26th, uh, you can call live if you'd like. Our number is 917-889-3806. Uh, Di, did you have a chance to look at that story I posted about, I guess, about 45 minutes ago on Breitbart Unmasked? Yes. Uh, because I wrote it, I'll read it. <laughs> I don't need to ask anybody's permission. All right, uh, so last night, the, the, the headline is, by the way, Wayne Allen Root wants to kill you. Last night, we saw a guy who body slammed a reporter get elected to Congress from Montana. President Trump just actively called for violence against protesters at his rallies and the GOP echo machine just laughs the whole thing off. And they're not done. Now, they want to kill you. According to Right Wing Watch, a great website, by the way. It's a service of people for the American way at rightwingwatch.org. Right Wing commentator, conspiracy theorist, and Donald Trump-obsessed sycophant, Wayne Allen Root, Spent a good portion of his radio broadcast yesterday talking about the need for conservatives 
to hire special forces operatives who have killed people to destroy liberal groups before our lives are erased. Outrage that World Net Daily, that's, I, I think of it as the weekly world news of right-wing snot rags, had its <laughs> internet count uh, temporarily suspended for its incessant promotion of the debunked Seth Rich conspiracy theory. Roots fume that conservatives are, quote, all wussies, and they don't understand that we have to fight back so viciously, and we have to boycott every liberal company in this country. Now, Di, we were talking about this before we took the air, you seem to be a little bit more optimistic about human nature uh, than I am. Uh, you don't think that calls like these to get professional killers involved are going to be successful. Tell us why. Well, I think they might be a little bit or not as widespread as he would like. Number one, because 99% of the intelligence community is pissed as fuck at Trump. (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, that's not a scientific figure. That's your uh, best guess. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a fairly uh, reasonable uh, viewpoint. But it only takes a few. If they get a few people... Uh, who are willing to follow Trump and dispense with the Constitution, we're in a world of hurt over here. Now, um, I think all it's going to take is something akin to the Brandenburg, not the Brandenburg, the Reichstag fire in Germany, in pre-war Germany, to cause people to become afraid and flock to, quote, leaders, unquote, like Trump, that promise protection. You don't agree. Well, I also pointed out that Trump is already hated by a lot of our country. Mm-hmm. But and won't that change if, let's say, somebody blew up the Washington Monument and, or uh, crashed a plane into the Capitol building? And uh, uh, Trump says, I can keep this from happening again, but you've got to say goodbye to your civil liberties. Well, there's an issue with that. Number one, Trump does not have anywhere near the political savvy that Hitler did. And number two, our country has considerably higher liberal population than Germany had at that point in time. Well, I think we should also share uh, with the Weimar Republic the concept that uh, the Weimar Republic had that uh, Hitler was a boob. And, uh, you know, we all rightfully believe that Trump is a boob. But if he gets powerful people behind him, if he can convince uh, the leaders of the armed forces to back his play, who's to say what's going to happen? 
Well, you see, there's also the issue that uh, Hitler had a lot more support from German armed forces than Trump does here. And those who didn't support him, he had executed. Why don't we give a quick listen to this report from Wayne Allen Root so you can hear the pig himself do his own squealing. Yeah. (laughs) I was looking at my internet the other day and I saw Brian Fisher of the AFA, that's the American Family Association, in the event that you were unsure. Now, we know he hates sin and... See, that's what happens. That's what happens when you uh, uh, press the one next to the one you want to press. So here we go. Here's Wayne Allen Root. We'll we'll do the white horse of anger later. We got to fight. We got to fight like animals. You know Twitter suspended WND's Twitter account today, meaning World Net Daily, a very popular conservative website, because they were mentioning the the, uh, Seth Rich case. Do you know that Sean Hannity's on a forced vacation at Fox News, just like Bill O'Reilly was, because he mentioned the Seth Rich case? Talk about censorship. Republicans are out of their minds. Conservatives are out of their minds. They're all wussies, and they don't understand that we have to fight back so viciously, and we have to boycott every liberal company in this country, and we have to contact every company that advertises on, on uh, MSNBC and CNN and every single company that has an ad in the New York Times, target them all. Every company has an ad in the Washington Post, target them. Every company that advertises on, uh, on liberal websites like Huffington Post uh, and many others, target them just like they do to us. It's time to get hundreds of thousands, preferably millions, preferably 63 million people that voted for Donald Trump to make their voice heard before we are taken off the airwaves and our lives are erased. See, free speech is meaningless. You can argue it's in the Constitution and no one's changed it. It's completely meaningless if you have no advertisers. If liberals write 10,000 letters to every single advertiser saying that if you keep advertising on Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly, and if you advertise on WND, boom, we have no free speech. If Twitter decides they can take you off WND, uh, take WND off of Twitter because they mention a case where a guy was murdered, then we have no free speech and we have no rights. You know? And a friend of mine wrote something so telling today. Wayne, I wouldn't be surprised to find out that the left, the Democratic National Committee, Media Matters, Right Wing Watch, Center for American Progress, SEIU, and many other left-wing George Soros-paid groups, has gigantic offices in cities all around this country, boiler rooms, with people being paid, making calls and writing emails and sending letters and then licking the letter and putting it in the mailbox to sponsors and newspapers and cable and TV networks all over this country and all over this world to try and destroy the right. They've got boiler rooms of people trying to destroy the right. My friend is brilliant. The guy who wrote this is worth like, I don't know, $100 million dollars. Brilliant, brilliant, big-time businessman. And he hit the nail right on the head. He continues, hell, they probably even use robots and sophisticated computer software to reach out and send their messages. Why doesn't the RNC and right-wing groups backed by wealthy individuals fund our efforts to put all of them out of business? 
And you know why. I know why. Lazy, cheap, wussy, country club rhino a-holes. I'll say it different than the way he said it. A-holes. He didn't quite say it that way. He finished the word. We need to hire an attack dog. We need to hire former CIA or NSA or FBI or Navy SEALs that have been involved in counterinsurgency operations all over the world that have killed people that understand how to fight that don't bring a knife to a gunfight that bring a gun to a gunfight preferably a shoulder-fired missile to a gunfight preferably a nuclear weapon to a gunfight that's not what he wrote that's what i wrote that's my addition to this to this letter it is time to go after the left as viciously as they go after us what is the matter with the Republican Party? What is wrong with us? Why can't you guys, Republican leaders, fight as hard as the Democrats fight, as viciously? Why don't you understand that it's a war out there and they're coming for your women and children? Don't you get that? They're trying to take us all off the air. They're trying to destroy Sean Hannity. They already destroyed Bill O'Reilly. He'll be back, but not on Fox News ever again. And they're just trying to take all of us down. And uh, now they took down Twitter, the, uh, the account of WND, World Net Daily, big conservative website, because they dared to mention the Seth Rich murder. You've got to be kidding me. These people are mentally insane, and they believe in banning and censorship. And I'll tell you right now, they would burn books if they could. They take every book I've written, and they would burn them in a bonfire in front of a library. They don't believe anyone should read Ultimate Obama Survival Guide, number one bestseller in the country, by the way. They don't believe anyone should read Murder of the Middle Class, another bestseller I wrote. They don't believe anyone should read The Power of Relentless. God forbid you should make money and believe it's up to you. If it's to be, it's up to me, not the government, which is taught in that book. God forbid you should ever read Angry White Male. Just with that title alone, they would burn that book in the streets right in front of a library. And they'd love to burn the Bible because we all know they hate God. We all know that's what liberals are like. Gosh, they, they booed God three times at the Democratic National Convention. That was with the whole country watching on national TV. And you know they hate the country. They burned the American flag without even thinking. I know the real liberals. I went to Columbia with them. I watched them cheer for the death of Ronald Reagan because he was a white, pro-business conservative. They wanted him dead. They wanted him assassinated. That's real liberals, folks. You know, this guy is a pinhead. And, and the basic misunderstanding of what the First Amendment is. Well, on top of that, these people that he's talking about are the far left crazies. Well, the point I want to make, though, is he says uh, they're going to deny us our First Amendment right to be on the radio. You don't have a First Amendment right to be on the radio. The, the First Amendment says that Congress shall pass no law restricting freedom of speech and so on and so forth. You can't say that you have a right to be on the radio. You have the right to pay a radio station if you have enough money and the radio station decides they want you to be on the air. And if you can sell advertisers, well, that's free market e uh, economics. That has nothing to do with the First Amendment. You can stand on a street corner and, and say whatever you want, as long as it's not profane or inciting. Um, 
And that's your First Amendment right. This clown has, oh, for one thing, now he's, he's calling uh, for the murder of people, and uh, uh, he's whining about losing his First Amendment rights. And it's just, yeah, well, that's incitement to riot right there. Exactly. Well, uh, we talked a little bit further about this in the article I wrote for Breitbart Unmasked. Um Let's see, we scroll down here. He's not the only one making these kinds of nonsensical claims. The ridiculous entity calling itself Coach Dave Daubenmeyer is calling for a more violent brand of Christianity. Let's see if I can find that on my uh, board here. I know I've got it here. Let's see. Time to put everything in uh, alphabetical order. So, ah, here we go. Here's Coach Daubenmeyer. Let me describe this guy to you for one thing. He always wears the same thing a baseball, a blue baseball hat with a red Christian cross on it. I guess he plays for the uh, uh, Charleston Jesuses or something. I remember about a year ago, maybe it's a little bit longer now. I was listening to Michael Savage, the Savage uh, Nation. So he's not saved. He's not even close to saved. But Savage, a lot of times, will go to the scriptures and read the scriptures. I think he's a non-practicing Jew. And, uh, but he'll read, he's smart enough to go to the Bible and because of the wisdom that's in the Bible. And I'll never forget what he said. It just kind of, you know, again, one of those arrows hit me right in the face. He said this, the only thing that's going to save America is a more militant Christianity. Wow. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffered violent and violent men taken by force. And as much as we, listen, fellas, as much as we don't like it, <clears throat> Bible's full of violence, full of it. It's just full of it. The thing that separates the Bible <clears throat> from everything else is that the, uh, the Bible teaches violence as a last resort. But it does teach us that there's a time for violence. There's a time for war. There is a time for war. And you, you look at all the all the crap that, that the disciples went through. And you look at all the crap that's going on around America, around the world, even today, the violence against Christianity. And the only thing that's going to save, see, Christianity is not going to fail. The only thing that's going to save Western civilization is a more aggressive, as Savage said, more violent Christianity. I don't know if you saw this or not. The media has gone crazy over this. Trump walking in the authority as president of the United States, as the man who's large and in charge, as the man who's paying all the bills against those little warrants. Now, I want you to watch. They call for the press conference. You ought to watch the Young Turks and what they said. You ought to watch Maddow and what they said about how he's not presidential. He's rude. He's egotistical. I want you to watch Trump walks up, and he is going to grab one of these leaders, the leader of NATO, I think is the guy. Trump grabs him puts his hand out, pushes him back, and Trump walks in front of him, walking in authority, not acting very presidential. See, they want us to be like Obama and bend over and let him have us, right? That's what they want us to do. Watch Trump walk in authority here, and the news goes nuts. Go ahead, Jerry. Here he comes. Here he comes. Shoves him out of the way. Said, I'm here, man. I'm large and in charge. And look at him. Huh? They're all little puppies. They're all little puppies. Ain't nobody barking at him. It's like those skunks I got out. They're just wandering around, man. 
He's walking in authority. Walking in authority. He walked to the front and center, and they all know it too, man. He just spanked them all, remember? He just spanked them all, and now he walks to the front. The Lord is showing us a picture of the authority we should be walking in. And people outside who are not watching MSNBC and not watching CNN, they're saying, yes, dude, yes, I get it now. Two nights ago, he, according to reports, he body slammed somebody. Now, we know he didn't. We know he didn't. But that's what they said. They bought, oh, we can't have him. He's not acting like he's a president. He's not acting like a leader. Leaders don't do that kind of thing. No, no. He's going down for sure. He's going down. You can't treat people like that. We need to be civil. We know we, he's going down. What happened? Why, Republican wins Montana election after one night after being charged with assault. People are sick and tired of it. They're saying, yes, a fighter. Go, dude, go. That's the times in which we live. And I'm telling you, that's the heart cry. That should be the heart cry of Christian men. Who won? The dude who took the other dude to the ground. That's who won. Come on, folks, open our eyes and see what's going on. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence. And violent men take it by force. Do you understand that Trump was violent against those guys. I was looking at my internet the other day and I saw Brian Fisher of the AFA, that's the American Family Association, in the event that you were unsure. Now we know he hates sin in a fervent way, but during times of war he said it's okay. The Bible makes certain allowances and Jesus would okay torture. Said our God of love knows what fists are for and Exodus calls him a man of war, that's Exodus chapter 15, verse 3, if you look it up. He said Jesus weren't no pacifist, and when he comes back, he'll be damn well pissed, and probably not in no good mood neither, so you better tidy up. He'll be riding that white horse of anger, and his robe will be dipped in fresh blood. Brian Fisher said Christ is a warrior. And he'll leave the sinners bleeding in the mud. At first I admit I was at a loss to think that a mammal got nailed to a cross would approve of the use of torture, even during times of war. Made no sense to me. But Fisher seems like a decent guy, and not the kind to tell a lie. It seems like he knows his Jesus, and that's good enough for me. Still, it seems kind of odd that our holy Lord would give his blessings to a waterboard and that forced rectal rehydration. <laughs> that seems beyond the pale. But Fisher said he has no doubt and he knows what he is preaching about. So let's puree up some sirloin and shove it up his tail. <laughs> He'll be riding that white horse of anger and his robe will be dipped in fresh blood. Brian Fisher said Christ is a warrior, and he'll leave the sinners bleeding in the mud. Now, if you believe that Fisher's zany, just ask the Lord, or Dick Cheney, that's Cheney, if you say it like Chris Matthews, that TV hardball fella. Now, no one expects the Inquisition, which just hangs them up in uncomfortable positions. And if you can't support that, you're a commie, or you're yellow. As if Brian Fisher would give out bum information on a subject like that. I mean, Lord. 
on the microphone. Heavens to Betsy. What's going on with this country? Di, you had some thoughts about why this sudden turn to violence. Well, I think what happened is when we elected this boorish, brainless, violent asshole. This man who this man who uh, tells people in his crowds to beat the crap out of them. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It emboldened these idiots on the far right wing of our country. Well, this level of incitement is nothing new. Andrew Breitbart, in the last months of his life, specifically called for the murder of liberals. And if you go to our latest story on uh, Breitbart Unmasked, you can click to see the video uh, from the Young Turks. But the, the news of the last several months seems to be tracking very closely to the way Adolf Hitler took control of Germany. And all we need now is a Reichstag fire. So I guess if I were offering any advice to anybody, it would be watch your back and be very, very careful. Now, here's here's Andrew Breitbart shortly before his death calling for the murder of liberals. And so there are times where I'm not thinking as clearly as I should, and in those unclear moments, I always think to myself, fire the first shot, bring it on, because I know who's on our side, and they know that. They can only win a rhetorical and a propaganda where they cannot win. We outnumber them in this country, and we have the guns. So, they, <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> they talk to me in game, but they will not cross that line because they know what they're dealing with. And I have people who come up to me in the military, major named people in the military, who grab me and they go, thank you for what you're doing, we've got your back. And so... uh, See, that's my biggest fear for the nation, is that people are going to start listening to people like Dead Andy there. And uh, next thing you know, there's going to be blood running in the streets. And well, it's, go ahead. Well, fortunately, we have, like I said before, we have a higher proportion of liberals to uh, far-right conservatives in this country. But it starts out innocently enough. It starts out with well, like people like Trump mocking that disabled reporter, if you remember that, back early in his campaign. Oh, yes. He caught a lot of shit for that. He should have been disqualified from uh, the primaries, but the Republicans just did not have the labia to do it. And uh, it just got worse and worse and worse, and now it's even happening on a small scale. I mean, you know, Di, that I have experienced some of this handicap mocking myself. Oh, God, yes. Uh, I wrote a comedy album called The Mad Hog of Westminster. And it sort of sets the scene for the next segment of our show. Uh, Let's play that now.
story you are about to hear is true. Well, the surrounding facts are. There are some people in the world who are just not happy unless they're causing discord and discomfort in other people's lives. One of these people is a person we shall refer to as Hoggy. He's in his late 60s, the type of person who sits in the back of the room at every city council meeting and rises to speak to denounce council members for spending his tax money. And then he complains about unrepaired potholes on the street in front of his house. Yeah, that guy. He got involved with a pack of conservatives who were out to ruin the life of an ex-con who, having been released from jail, was doing his best to live a blameless life. A freelance journalist wrote a story supporting the ex-con. And that's where I come in. I am that freelance journalist. My name, Bill Schmolfeld. I carry a grudge. It all began, for real, in February 2013 when I was performing my blog talk radio show. I made this statement recorded from the actual program. It's all horseshit. It's all absolute horseshit. And I and my family am being put through pain and suffering because Lee Stranahan has a grudge. Because somebody, in my opinion, is paying Lee Stranahan to file these charges against me in the hopes that I will either break or die. I got some fucking news for you, Stranny, Walker, Hoggy, Fry, and Fry, beware the Ides of March. The Fry I referred to is Los Angeles County Deputy District Attorney Patrick Fry, who blogs as Patarico. The Ides of March reference was to a story in a Boston newspaper that I knew was going to be released on March 15th that would cast Fry in a very negative light. But Hoggy, he saw it as a death threat. Not against Fry, against him. Over the next two years, I faced a total of 367 misdemeanor criminal charges filed by Hoggy. You heard me right. 367 charges, all dismissed. He convinced a judge who had no idea what the Twitter is that blocking me from at mentioning him would be the same thing as having to change his phone number to avoid telemarketers. The judge bought it and slapped me with a six-month peace order. The judge extended it for another six months in December. Unable to find another state's attorney who would accept a charge against me, Hoggy decided to go the federal court route, and he sued me for copyright infringement, for copying several portions of his blog, which were, by and large, copied and pasted from my blog. He requested a preliminary injunction. The federal judge, who knew what Twitter is, wrote a 31-page opinion, laughing out loud at Hoggy and his lawsuit, 
Hitachi ordered the case to a federal magistrate for settlement. Hoggy wanted $620,000. He got nothing but the back of my hand. In the meantime, he had filed for a whole new peace order preventing me from contacting him. The district court judge rejected it out of hand. He appealed, and the date for the appeal was set. But at the settlement hearing for the lawsuit, Hoggy shook my hand and told me he was not going to pursue the peace order. I took him at his word. That was my mistake. Instead of going to court on the date prescribed, I kept a doctor's appointment. Without letting me know in any way that he had changed his mind, Hoggy went to court and got an uncontested peace order. I am forbidden from contacting him, from going to his house, from tweeting him. But I am allowed to talk about him. It's that pesky First Amendment. And that's what this CD is all about. Freedom. You know, Don, I remember that mediation hearing as if it was yesterday. Hoggy has issues. It went, uh, this isn't word for word exactly how it happened, but it's kind of how I remember it. Right here, hang on. Here we go. I believe I've already told you how Hoggy betrayed me at the settlement hearing in front of the federal magistrate. The magistrate had left the room and Hoggy told me he was not going to follow through with his appeal of the peace order that had been denied him by the district court. So I went to a doctor's appointment, and he went to court and got an uncontested peace order. So you know about the settlement of the lawsuit, but you don't know everything. Well, it was a long time coming, John, but... I'm glad we were finally able to reach an agreement to end our dispute. As am I, Bill, as am I. Now, why don't we both sign this agreement and and we'll be done with it. All right, here, let me just... All right, here, and then I'll... Oh, and, uh, uh, initial... this part here too. There's a there's a codicil on the uh, on the back page. Codicil? I don't recall a codicil. Oh, it's nothing nothing major. It's nothing that you won't agree to. Just go ahead and initial it. All right. I okay. Well, that concludes the matter. Oh, except for one thing. And that would be. Mm, follow me uh, into this next room if you don't mind. It's a little dark in here, isn't it? Don't worry, we'll turn on light. That's a, 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 a glaring spotlight that's right in my eyes. Let's get that shirt off of you. Hey, wait a minute. Who's this guy wearing the hood? Oh, he's another facilitator, mediator, if you will. I thought we were done with... Hey! Securing you to the pillory aren't uh, cutting off circulation to your uh, hands. <laughs> but but what, uh, why are we doing this? It's all part of the council, 
Wrestling has never been real, but that's not the point. Don't tell the crusher that, because the <laughs> crusher will put you in a in a bolo punch. But uh, <laughs> let me give you an idea of how they do this. They create their own narrative, and, and that, that narrative becomes the official canon of the cult of Hogue. I really don't know why, but Hoggy had this tendency to give nicknames to his opponents. Mine, for some reason, was the Cabin Boy. Did you hear what the cabin boy did this time? Oh, God. Now what? I bet it was awful. Oh, it was awful. He's mocking a dead baby again. When is he not mocking a dead baby? But it's even more than that. What could be worse than mocking a dead baby? Somehow, he found out where the baby was buried. You're kidding me. He dug it up. O-M-G. Then, he went to the parent's house. All the way down in Texas? He had the baby in a box. Wrapped like a Christmas present. Oh, the fiendish bastard. He did not. Yes, he did. Horrible. Just horrible. And then, when the parents unwrapped the box... I bet they were shocked and horrified at his monstrous deed, this monstrous cabin boy. And that's not all the monster did. What else did he do? He delivered a well-executed dropkick to the poor, grieving father. See? I knew he was faking his Parkinson's disease. I just knew it. Then... Oh... I don't even want to think about it. As the father laid there, barely conscious on the floor. You mean the rug, right? They don't have a rug. It's a floor. Oh, linoleum. Anyway, he started to rip the dead baby in two pieces. No, he did not. Yes. Stop it. And then he started feeding it to the poor, groggy, grieving father. Holy Lord God in heaven. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Stuff the little dead baby right into his mouth. Well... That sounds evil, even for the monstrous cabin boy who has been faking his Parkinson's disease. Did you read this on the dead baby's father's blog? Didn't he write a blog post about it? If he did, I don't remember hearing anything about it, until now. Oh, well, it sounds like something he'd do. Oh, without a doubt, the cabin boy is evil. He evil. Evil personified. So very evil. The most evil ever. Quite evil indeed. Indeed. I've never seen such evil. I never believed such evil was possible. He should go to jail. Most certainly should. Yes. 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 Ditto. 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 I tell you what, Nitsy, I only trust that cabin boy as far as I could throw him. Well, that wouldn't be very far. He is so very fat. Giggle, giggle, giggle. You are absolutely correct. I do not believe there is a fatter person in the whole wide world. It's probably all those foot-long hot dogs he eats. Oh, he loves those foot-longs. And don't forget the mayonnaise. What's the deal with the mayonnaise? Sure, remember, the mayonnaise is a visual representation of the bodily fluids excreted by the foot-long hot dogs. 
which aren't really hot dogs at all, but are metaphorical representations of the phallic objects that remind the cabin boy of his dead twin brother. This is why every time we insult the cabin boy, there must be some reference to footlong and mayonnaise. In the cabin boy's case, I would be more likely to compare him to a Vienna sausage. Now that is world-class humor, you know he is faking his Parkinson's disease. Of course he is. I know someone with Parkinson's and looks nothing like the cabin boy. How could he not be faking it? He has to be. Have you ever seen how quickly he types? No. Me neither. But there is no way a person with Parkinson's can type that fast. One of the other people in the comment section said that the cabin boy wrote 11 billion T Twitter posts in one day. Wow! No way a person with Parkinson's could do that many. Amazing. Astounding is what I would call it. That's a good word. All I can say is, it is the good folks like you and me that keep the cabin boy from unleashing his unspeakable evil onto the world. Can you imagine what would happen if he were to unleash his evil? Notice how he always talks about poop. It's all he ever talks about. I used to wonder why so many people who write about the cabin boy say he likes poop. I used to wonder about that, too. Well, wonder no more. He once wrote a column for the Daily Cuss in which there was a passing reference to anal sex. Passing? Like in passing gas? Yes. It was a 2,000-word article, but 175 words dealt with consensual anal sex between a man and a woman. Sweet, heavenly mother of God, is that all the man can think about? I believe that to be the case. Sometimes you have to really read between the lines. But it's always there. Even if you have to make it up. Ha 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 ha. Ever wonder what we'd do for fun if we didn't have to keep a constant eye on the cabin boy? No, I cannot imagine that. Like guardians to the corridors of hell, it is our job to ensure the cabin boy never knows a moment's peace. That is true. And when he dies, I plan to find out where he's buried, set up a lawn chair, and stare at the grave just to make sure he stays in there where he belongs. His Parkinson's will kill him shortly. Oh yes, he will be dead soon. I can hardly wait. He has Parkinson's dementia, you know. How do we justify saying he is faking his Parkinson's and then claim he has Parkinson's dementia? That's none of our concern. The official doctrine is, the cabin boy is faking his Parkinson's disease and that's because of the Parkinson's disease dementia he has. Hey, I'll believe it if I'm told to. Yes, some questions are better left unasked. Some words are best left unspoken. You are correct. You are correct. No, you are. No, you are. No, you are. You are. Now that was obviously a comedic representation of the comment section on hogwash.com and on the uh, execrable Patrick Grady's uh, Thinking Man blog, uh, Thinking Man Zombie blog. Let's share with the folks uh, tonight's Team Kimberlin post of the day. What do you think? 
Are you up to this? Yeah, I think I can scoop through all the bullshit on his blog. If you feel nauseous at any point, let me know and we'll stop, okay? <laughs> all right. All right. So let's look at this. Uh, this is uh, from hogwash.com today, the Team Kimberlin post of the day. And I have to read this in my hog voice. Dave Show calls hearing on 5 May. Judge Hacker told the cabin boy to get access to a copy of the Maryland Rules. And the Side note, Judge also told Hogue to do that. He told us both to do that. Exactly. But it would not do for Hogue to tell his readers that the judge told him to do anything. Instead, he lies and says that the judge only told me. And he doesn't really say he only told me. It's a lie by by omission. Lie of omission, exactly. All right, so let's continue. Rule 1-321 deals with service of court papers other than original pleadings. Service upon the attorney or upon a party shall be made by delivery of a copy or by mailing it to the address most recently stated in a pleading or paper filed by the attorney or party, if not or if not stated to the last known address. Now, what did you notice about that statement? Uh, is it kind of small? You might not have caught it. Delivery of a copy. There you go! I emailed him a copy. That counts as delivery of a copy. Now, he's saying that he used to authorize email delivery, but he doesn't anymore, and uh, now I'm in violation of the law. You see, I'll continue here. Rule 1-321, paragraph A. In the past, I have waived physical service in some cases. Actually, in every case, you lying ass. And accepted service via email. I, however, am no longer waiving physical service. So the cabin boy is required to deliver physical copies of all his filing to me. Now... Uh, does Hog have the power to change the rules in midstream like that? I mean, shouldn't he have to file something with the judge saying, I've decided I don't want to get uh, uh, email copies anymore? Well, he should. But there's also a second sentence in that later part of the post where you point out it's in the mail. Yeah, it was in the mail to the courthouse. Uh, and uh, he, he is intimating that he didn't get a complete copy. Let me continue here. Day before yesterday, I received an email from the cabin boy with an incomplete version of what appears to be a motion attached. 
you brave ass. It was a complete motion, and you know it was a complete motion. You're thumping your chest for your readership, and that's part of the reason why you're being sued in federal court right now, you blithering idiot. <laughs> oh, look who's come to see me. Look who's come to see me. It's Onyx the Bald Pussy. She's sniffing the microphone right now. Anyway, um, the text of his email read, and I'll use my own voice for this since this is what I said, I am not killing any more trees for you here. It's in the mail today. Now, we continue as hope. If that filing appears on the court docket and I have not received a complete physical copy of what has been filed, I suppose I'll have to go to the clerk's office and buy a copy. If that happens, I'm sure the cabin boy will be given an opportunity to speak to the judge about it. I, uh believe you will have an opportunity to speak to the judge both uh, in uh, Westminster and in Florence, South Carolina about why you all of a sudden for no stated reason decided you didn't want email service anymore. That's what I think, but you know how I get. Now, earlier we played uh, those uh, comments from the comment section that I made up to show you how close to the mark I was. Why don't you and I die? Oh, hello, Onyx. Why don't you and I read some of the comments? Ow, ow, being climbed <laughs> yeah, by a cat. Yeah, <laughs> she wants to roost on my shoulder like I'm being kissed by a cat right now. This is live on the air blog talk radio, kitty. Anyway, let me take the first one. It's from somebody calling himself. And you will, you will notice a distinct lack of anybody using a real name here. This person describes himself as someone. Star J. It's almost like you're dealing with a complete ass hat. And then uh, SPQR says, Complete screw up. His brazen contempt for the rules is what will raise Gus Bailey, he doesn't have any faith in the Maryland judicial system. And he says, But Maryland. And then SPQR says, I think the boy is about to find out he relied upon that too long. The recording of a hearing is the kind of thing that truly pisses judges off. What? And then uh, somebody named McClave. I don't recognize that. But he wasn't actually in the courtroom. Much I, I wasn't. Was I in the courtroom or was I in the hotel room? You were in the bathroom at the time, so you didn't see any of it. But uh, was I in the... You were in a hotel room, and he was trying to claim that because you were over a Skype call during the hearing, that it was extension of the courtroom. Yeah, 452 miles away. All right, you take the next block. That says rules are for. First of all, let's introduce the. Well, let's introduce. Hang on. 
let's introduce the person. This is Jeff M. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Rules are for little people, and Willie is neither small nor human. Okay, continue. And so, and somebody named GB20, 420 rather, replied to him, rules are for little people. Tell that to his pedo master. My pedo master, of course, would be Brett Kimberly. Yeah, they're trying to accuse him of pedophilia. Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) And Jeff M. replies, a little person must be both little and a human being. And GB420 replies, I stand corrected. Now, Neil and Bob, (laughs) who I also suspect is Patrick Grady, writes, sure. With a so-cause hearing and a motion for summary judgment pending, why not? What's the worst that could happen? Well, uh, yeah, I don't want to educate the monkey. And then someone says, the person names someone, God, I hope we find out. Your turn. Well, security flunky uh, said, scraping its cleated shoes on the floor, thinking... That will result in his getting his way. Do I have do I have cleated shoes? Not that I know. I have sketchers. They've got little like uh plastic thing. But uh, anyway, continue. And Neil and Bob replies, I don't think that's the floor. Yeah, they're saying I'm stepping on my own crank. All right, Badger Bob which I'm assuming means he's either from Michigan or Wisconsin, says, Mr. Hogue, you didn't upload his motion, so obviously you're really, 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 really scared and losing. My guess is he wants to sit in front of his laptop naked and only show the court his face while that bald cat wants more lick peanut butter. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if one final time it's allowed because Bill hit upon somebody's pet project and okay, big time later. And then Ashtaroth, who is one of the co-defendants in my federal case, she's a totally reasonable person named Sarah Palmer. She says, why are you giving me visions of the abuse of that poor animal? Why? And I will point out this is a uh, intimation toward bestiality. I believe that's defamation. I think so, yes. Uh, you've got Paul Krendler here, who, of course, is Patrick Grady. Of course, and Paul Krendler says, I have a question. Exhibit C of your motion for discovery sanctions. Is an email exchange in which dumb fuck, of course he's referring to you, fuck him, <laughs> is apparently disputing that an email sent from himself at WJJ Hoag is generally from our gracious host. So if it were not from David Baker's belief, to wonder how it wound up in an exhibit attached to a motion filed by an OGH. OGH is our gracious host. Yeah. Dumbfuck also makes clear in all uncertain terms that he does not accept service by email. So the question, which I bet even Dumbfuck can't see coming a mile away, oh, what email address was it used to 
incomplete motion received. Keep going. Uh, this is from GM Howell. GM Howell. Hang on just a second. Hang on. Hang on just a second. GM Howell is the mule who delivered the uh, forged letter with my forged signature that Grady sent him from Illinois uh, to Howell, who lived in Maryland at the time, who drove to Howard County and then mailed the letter from Howard County to Hogue's house in Carroll County to make it look like I had violated the uh, peace order. Go ahead. Cut him some slack. Shaky's selective Parkinson's disease is acting up again. Which, to be fair, you could easily prove them wrong by posting your medical records somewhere. But they wouldn't believe it anyway, even if you did. Yeah, I've done that already. Anyway, go ahead. Paul Krendler, fuck him and the horse he has recently begun riding in on. <laughs> you know who that is, right? Anyway, that's me. Yeah. Apologies if redaction is necessary. I tried. <laughs> All right, back to Neil and Bob, who is also Grady, and he says, sure, why not? And then Hogue violates uh, his own copyright rule against me by allowing one of his commenters to copy something from my Twitter blog. The liar WJJ Hogue agreed to email service. He will thus agree, uh, receive email service. The motion he received was complete. And then uh, Asipite Remedium Tremule, which is Latin for take the cure, shaky. You know what I'm talking about there? Yeah. Yeah, the cure for Parkinson's disease, a bullet to the head. This is also Grady. Here's the sequence of events as I recall it. Our gentle host graciously agrees to certain... Oh, Jesus! Graciously agrees to service by email from Dumbfuck. Dumbfuck starts playing cute games, sending emails from anonymous servers and so forth. Our gentle host, having his fill, revokes his permission for service by email. Dumbfuck, being a dumbfuck, revokes his permission for our gentle host to serve him by email starts moving around the country without providing a new address to the parties or the court, yet insists he can still serve documents on our gentle host by email. Did I miss anything? You know why I moved from Wisconsin to Iowa? That would be the fact that he sent one of his friends to slash your tires. Well, that's why I moved out. Uh, That's why I was reluctant him my address in the first place. Yeah. Because I knew the, the, the very day, the very night, May thir- uh, March 30th of this year, the, that very night when I sent him email, a copy of my change of address, my car was the only car vandalized out of the dozen or so that was parked on the block that night. I'm yeah. sure it was just a coincidence. Now, yeah. Russ says... That all sounds like a pretty good summary, as I understand things. And, of course, I could be well mistaken, given that I have not had a miraculous recovery from my neurological issue. 
idiopathic adult onset hydrocephalus. <laughs> He's a waterhead. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the shunt installed 10 years ago headed off dementia at the metaphorical path. And then Katie Scarlett says, plastic overload. And Paul Tremler says, I want to welcome our new plastic overlords. And then John, Maybe. mind my own dough, uh, quotes somebody else's comment and then says, Mr. Hogue was not the one playing games with email. And then a reader one who is attached like a lamprey to my uh, Twitter account. I mean, minutes after I write something, he will copy it and post it on Hogue's blog. I, I, I see he changed his Twitter again. The third time in a week? <laughs> Who is Mike? Does the functional illiterate mean MIC? And is, is Hogue a liar here because BS just forgot again? John! If the judge awards monetary sanctions, ask that they be paid then and there to the court to be forwarded to you. No telling where a homeless adjudicated harasser may flee to. I have never been adjudicated as harasser. They have, they have dismissed every single case that he has tried to bring against you. Anyway, we go on now with Dr. Mike. So Bill quotes the TKP. Oh, the this Team Kimberlin uh, post of the day, which means he's once again reminding Hoagie is not waving physical service, and while flaunting the rules, he's showing the decorum we've come to expect. Apologies. Then uh, Gus Bailey says apologies for pedantry, but flout. I don't want Bill to flout anything. And then Diane Dealey, who's the uh, manager of a charitable uh, organization in San Francisco, says, ditto to both. And then phone, train, because she hasn't let go of the fact that I once, I think two years ago, accused her of uh, uh, tweeting from work or commenting at work. And then Dr. Mike says, I'll have to agree. And then someone says, I see dumb fuck underline the or there. I think he thinks that it said or by emailing it to the address most recently stated in the pleading of, or paper filed by the attorney or party, but um, it doesn't. Damn it, Billy. Don't you ever get sick of fucking up everything? Here is rule 1-321. Service upon the attorney or upon a party shall be made by delivery of a copy or by mailing it to the address most recently stated in a pleading. So on, so on, so forth. Delivery of a copy can be affected by email. And your cat is in my face again. Yes. And let me go on and on and on about this whole email thing. 
Uh, SPQR calls me a sociopath. I'm not going to call me a psychopath. Uh, there's Ashtara again, responding to uh, that TSR bite. And see, covered somewhere else, delivery defined specifically. I don't have to know the MD rules. I'm not involved in a court case there. And Sarah Palmer says, in other words, this is like if a woman marries you, then she can no longer claim you raped her if she doesn't want to have sex. Oh, Christ. Bill Schmaltz has the mindset of an MRA. Good to know. What's an MRA? I have no idea. I'm going to guess marital rape aficionado or something, or advocate or... So whatever it is, it's defamatory. If she's saying I have the mindset of somebody who believes in marital rape, that's defamation per se right there. Yeah, so there's a psychotic comment. Yeah. And and, and they go on and 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 on. Yeah. I think I'm starting to become nauseous. These people are so stupid. Uh, <sighs> and then, oh, here's one I posted this morning. Uh, is Sarah Ashtara Palmer smart enough to know that she's responsible for every defamatory comment on anyone's blog? Dumb fuck has to be trolling, right? Like, there's literally no one can be so... Fucking stupid I think he really is that stupid. Dear heart, if you file, if you publish a defamatory comment on a blog, and I know who you are, you're responsible for it. This is the laws. This is America. And then MJ says, I think he just enjoys being mocked. And someone says, no one can enjoy it that much. And who's your name says, considering how many times he's sued, it amazes me, he still can't see how fucking young he is. And then uh, the screw-up says, it's the nearest thing he gets to public respect. And then I'll finish it off here with SPQR. It's got layers of stupid atop other layers of stupid. I count. I lost count at the fifth layer of stupid. Now, none of these comments calls for my death. You have to go to uh, Grady's blog to find those. But uh, yeah. there are plenty of them. And this is just, again, getting back to the point that it starts with the mocking of a weaker person, the mocking of a disabled person, the claim that I don't really have Parkinson's. Uh, I have a copy of a letter right here, as a matter of fact, from the Office of Personnel Management, written March 9th, 2011. Dear Mr. Schmalfeld, our records show that you claim you were disabled due to idiopathic Parkinson's disease. Idiopathic means they don't know what caused it, and that's most Parkinson's disease is idiopathic. 
In reviewing your medical records, we have found you to be disabled for your position as a writer due to advanced stage of idiopathic Parkinson's disease. Now, if I'm faking my Parkinson's disease, that means I have also faked my brain surgery because I have also faked the misfiring of the neurons in my brain to fool the neurosurgeon a practicing neurosurgeon who's one of the top experts in his field, I fooled him by causing the neurons in my substantia nigra area in the subthalamic nucleus of my brain to misfire on cue so they would think I have Parkinson's disease. Aren't I clever? Yeah, none of those things are possible. So, yeah, you get more defamation there. Oh, I'm the world's best actor. And speaking of acting, uh, one final thing about uh, uh, Hoggy Theater. Oh, hello there. I'm Bill Schmalfeld. And, you know... There are a lot of old radio shows that nobody knows about. You know, for every Fibber McGee and Molly or Amos and Andy, there were dozens of radio shows that just didn't quite have the stuff to make it. As a matter of fact, uh, several shows only had one episode. Most of these shows are lost to time, but we managed to locate the single episode of a takeoff of The Shadow. This was, uh, was transcribed in 1946, and we don't know much about the actors who played these roles because they vanished into the mists of radio obscurity. But still, history is history, and we present, for the first time anywhere since it was originally aired in 1946, this episode of the poop flake? <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> The poop flake knows. <laughs> the poop flake, the unseen but always smelled master of men's minds. By day, a humble quantum mechanic known as Bill Hoggy. Only his girlfriend and assistant, Ariana Worthing Walker, knows his secret identity as the poop. Hand me that drill. Uh, okay, T. 
What do you think I'm gonna do with it, Pavo Campus? Dentistry? You ever told me you was a dentist before? And we interrupt this Hootlake uh, episode with some breaking news. This just came across the wires. I'm reading from thehill.com right now. Jared, Jared reportedly talked with a top Russian official in early December about establishing a private communications channel between President Trump's transition team and the Kremlin. The president's son-in-law and senior advisor inquired about using Russian diplomatic facilities for the communications, apparently to shield the talks. U.S. officials briefed on intelligence reported the Washington Post. Washington, uh, Washington, die. Russian ambassador to the U.S., Sergei Kislyak, told his superiors that Kushner floated the idea during a meeting at Trump Tower on December 1st or 2nd, according to the Post, which cited intercepts of Russian communications reviewed by U.S. officials. Kislyak was reportedly taken aback by the proposal of allowing an American to use the Russian Communications Commission which the Post noted could have carried security risks for both the Trump transition team and Moscow. So there's the news. Jared Kushner apparently talked with a top Russian official in early December about establishing a private communications channel between President Trump transition team and the Kremlin. I would advise tuning in to MSNBC to hear more about it. But first, this episode of a brand new radio show. I'm the guy that government investigators call when they want to investigate something in government. I know where all the bodies are buried, even the ones on the Kennedy compound, but you didn't hear that from me. Investigative skills are known and feared by the evildoers who try to steal money from the good and honest taxpayers just to keep the wealthy fat cats fat. And believe me, they're getting fatter and cattier. Who am I? I am government corruption's worst nightmare. I am Max Payload, Government Investigator. Today, part one of an action-packed whiz-bang adventure, The Case of the Grabbing Grabber. It was a typical Friday afternoon before a long weekend. Labor Day, I think or Memorial Day, I always get those two mixed up. It's the weekend without the Jerry Lewis telethon, which, now that there's no more Jerry Lewis, nobody really cares about. I'm not dead yet. It's a matter of time. Anyway, I was...
was seated at my big oak desk in my tiny pine-paneled office with my big right foot naked on my desktop. I had a particularly troublesome toenail that I was trying to dig out of the tender toe skin where it had embedded itself. I don't know why, but the sight of my calloused size 13 right foot on my desktop didn't do much to improve my secretary's appetite. Shit, now it's bleeding. Wait a minute. Is that pus? It smells like pus. When's the last time you washed that thing? That's Giggles McQuistian. Always with the questions. None of your beeswax, Giggles. It's my toe. I'll wash it whenever I feel like it. Disgusting. <laughs> not a nickname. It's her real name. She showed me her birth certificate on the day I hired her. Somehow her parents knew. And there was a reason for my current state of filthiness. Giggles is something like a Siamese cat. In heat. Six weeks out of every seven on the calendar. I hoped the stench would dull her ardor. No such luck. You stink, but somehow it makes you even sexier. You know the story, Giggles, I'm spoken for. And why isn't there a wedding ring on your finger? Because for this kind of marriage, they don't give you a ring, Giggles. They give you a badge. I'm married to my career of rooting out corruption in the federal government, wherever it exists. Opening, handsome. Right now, you should finish rooting out the corruption in that toenail. I'm going to go open a window. It smells like rotten meat in here. A less dedicated public servant would have enjoyed the sight of giggles as she sashayed to the window, bent over, showing just the tiniest swell of upper buttock as she did so. She was wearing a thong again. Don't you find that butt floss uncomfortable? <laughs> oh, you say the cutest thing. Would you like me to answer that? Seeing as that's what I pay you for, I guess that would be a good thing. Okay. Hello, Max Payload's office. Oh, really? You don't say. Grabs him by the what? Really? You don't say. Hmm, you don't say. Do we know who is doing this? Uh-huh. You don't say. Hmm. Okay. I'll have Max call you when he's done digging the crap out of his infected t- What? You don't say. All right, then. I'll tell him. Who was that? Eh, he didn't say. But you're going to want to call him back. This looks like a case that's right up your alley. You don't say. <laughs> I think 
think we've already milked that one pretty dry. Speaking of milking something dry, there was something about Giggle's tone of voice that made my toe go stiff and a jet of gooey pus shoot right out of my inflamed toe cuticle. The pain was gone, but not the stench. And from what I could pick up from Giggle's side of the conversation, there was something stinky going on in the government, right here in Washington. Something stinky indeed. Someone is grabbing things. What things is he grabbing? And more importantly, why? And more importantly, who was it? And more importantly, what was Max going to do next? Well, first I'm going to put some Neosporin on this toe, put my sock back on, then my shoe, then I have some phone calls to make. Well, next time as Max digs into the case of the Grabbing Grabber, brought to you by Neosporin. Made my toe feel better.
jab you in the finger if you ain't careful. She smiled, and I saw she didn't have her two front teeth up top. That explained the lisp. She smelled like cheap perfume and spoiled fish. Her hair was dime store yellow until it got within two inches of her oily, flaky scalp when it took a sharp turn to salt and pepper. No doubt, she thought she was pretty. She looked like she put on her makeup with a trowel. My name is Beverly. Beverly Hills, more like it, I thought but didn't say. She blew a lungful of smoke into my face, and it smelled like tobacco and rotting teeth. I looked, and she didn't have a cigarette. One could only imagine where that smoke came from. I didn't want to know. That bottle of lotion was looking better and better. I can put my whole fist into my mouth. Lady, you just spoiled the romance. I turned around on my bar stool, put my Buster Browns on the floor, and started for the door. Hey, I told you my name. You didn't tell me yours. I turned my head back over my right shoulder and felt three of my neck bones, cracking like knuckles. It felt great. They call me Johnny Nut Punch, and don't ask me why. Don't ask him why, lady. That was Goody Pete, the barkeep. I've known him for years, ever since I took up the rot gut habit after punching Lenore's ticket back in 38. Or was it 44? No, it was 38. It was the 44 I shot her with. She wasn't pretty no more after that. They called him Scooty Pete because of his chronic problem with intestinal parasites. He couldn't sit still. You didn't want him to sit on your furniture because he would just scoot and scoot and scoot his butt across the cushion. I suppose it made him feel better. It just made me feel sick. But he was right. I earned that last name the hard way. You're listening to the new adventures of Johnny Nut Punch, the hard-boiled private dick with a mind like a steel trap and a right fist like a jackhammer. He doesn't use a gun. He doesn't need it. There ain't no jam I can't get out of with a swift punch to a wise guy's package. Little Egypt sitting on the bar stool with the crumpling leg looked like she might be packing a bigger sack than any I've ever punched. It was time to leave before trouble started. What I didn't know is it already had... I didn't see the mug standing in the alley. I certainly didn't see the blackjack he had just used to crack my coconut. And by the time I woke up, I didn't see a friendly face in the room. I rubbed the back of my head and propped my aching back against the filthy wall. I sized up the situation, saw the 
two goons who had just worked me over, so I thought I'd engage them in conversation. So you heard the one about the Pope and the head of the Eastern Orthodox Church, and they walk into a bar, and the Pope has a duck under his big, tall hat, and the Eastern Orthodox Patriarch says, <coughs> The room lit up like a shutterbug's flashbulb when one of the goons in the room socked me in the puss. Then I run to hear jokes. I turn on the radio and listen to Jack Benny. That voice. I've heard it before. My brains are pretty scrambled at this point from the rot gut and the blackjack and the punch in the kisser. But in two seconds, I knew I was looking into the twisted face of evil itself. Baron Luther von Helsberg, the leader of the gang of Nazi saboteurs that Lenore was shilling for in 44. If you've ever wondered why the Navy has a base on Lake Michigan, Von Helsberg is the reason why. So I thought you were one of the goose-stepping bullet heads that got his neck stretched in Nuremberg. The goon who socked me made like he was gonna do it again, so I blew him a little kiss. Von Helsberg yelled something in that Nazi lingo of his, and... The big galoot dropped his arm and sulked out of the room like he'd been ordered to go outside and make number two in the flower garden. I prefer you alive for the time being, Johnny. There will be time for, shall we say, recreation later? Australian rules football is my game. No pads, no helmets, a game for men. Football! Football, yeah, perhaps we play that. But with my foot and your equipment. He didn't even have the balls to say balls. But then, in that particular context, one isn't generally allowed to refer to those things on the radio. I carry a special license from the Federal Communications Commission to say whatever I want. You only have to nut-punch a bureaucrat once to get his attention and his signature on a permit. But what did this remnant of the turd rife want with me other than to cause me discomfort? What indeed? Perhaps we'll find out when this action-packed episode of The New Adventures of Johnny Nut-Punch continues after this. In many foreign lands, wherever wine connoisseurs gather, they enthusiastically praise the distinguished character of Roma wines. Such praise of Roma wines in foreign lands can only mean that they are truly magnificent in quality. Roma wines' excellence is due to a unique combination of California's perfect soil and climate, from whence come the choice Roma wine grapes, plus age-old winemaking skill and modern knowledge. These combine to make Roma constant in quality, uniformly fine, unexcelled in value. Tomorrow, discover for yourself the delightful Roma taste and goodness enjoyed by more Americans than any other wine. Simply serve as an appetizer before dinner a cool glass of golden nut-like Roma California sherry. Then on the table, place a bottle of cool, hearty Roma Burgundy. You'll be 
pleasantly surprised at the extra delight it adds to your meal, how it will win new compliments from family or guests. Yet, the cost is only pennies a glassful. Get Roma wines tomorrow. If your dealer is temporarily out of Roma, please try again soon. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma wines. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a luster cream shampoo. Only luster cream brings you K. Dumas' magic formula blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Gives loveliness lather even in hardest water. Glamorizes your hair as you wash it. Luster cream, not a soap, not a liquid, but a dainty cream shampoo. Leaves hair fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable. Gives new beauty to all hairdos or permanents. Four-ounce jar, one dollar. Smaller sizes, either tubes or jars. Tonight, try Luster Cream Shampoo and be a... Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful Luster Cream girl. You owe your crowning glory to a Luster Cream Shampoo. And now we return to the new adventures of Johnny Nut Punch. And this, the case of Nazi revenge. It's sell these Jew-murdering jokers slap me into with wallpapered with pictures of Lenore. Lenore, the rare and radiant maiden that the angels named Lenore. She weren't no maiden, not no more. I sent her to the devil a satisfied woman. Clearly, this was meant to torture me, and it was working. For one thing, the rot gut from last night mixed with the freestyle clobbering I had been subjected to over the past evening's entertainment gave me a headache the size of Lata Cargo, the name I had created in my mind for the poorly quaffed monstrosity I was considering committing yet another mortal sin with last night. I couldn't help but stare at Lenora's picture. She was drop-dead gorgeous. That's what my partner Jimmy said right before she shot him in the eye. He dropped dead, but she was gorgeous. And I was the FBI's prize chump. Yeah, they actually have a prize for that. It's like a medal that you have to wear on your neck for a year. A whole year. Then you're fired with full benefits. I thought Lenore was working with us, leading us to the Nazi saboteurs who were blowing up ships in Lake Michigan. Turns out she was one of them. But it took my partner getting his right eye and the better part of his brain blown out through the back of his head to wise me up to that fact. She was going to do the same thing to me, but I was quicker with my 38. No, wait, it was a 44. It happened in 38. No, no, it 
was 1944. The year was 44. The gun was a 44. So that should be easy enough to remember. But nothing is easy. Not anymore. do you want, Von Helsberg? Oh, not that much. Just to use this gun to put a little hole in the front of your head and a great big one in the back. Well, then I will read the newspaper through your skull while I enjoy my morning schnitzelbraten. There's nothing but bad news in the paper. Didn't your Fuhrer tell you that? Oh, wait. He had Russians reading Pravda through the hole he put in his own head, as I recall. Silence! I would strike you, but I have just had my manicure. Darn. I haven't had lady fingers for breakfast since before the war. Still cracking with the wise. We shall see how wise you are with your brains splattered all over the wall. You seem to have anger issues, Von Ellsberg. Still sore about that losing the war thing? The war? You think this is about the war? Well, let's see. You've always had a face like the south end of a northbound sow, the intelligence of a mentally disabled child of an Alaskan lawyer with a malpractice record a mile long, and the sweet temperament of a longshoreman during a hooker's strike. So it can't be those. That leaves... My daughter! You murdered my daughter! Lenore! She was your daughter? Yes. She was my only child. If I had been able to stand, you could have knocked me over with a feather. But it explains so many things. Her German accent... The way she used to have to stop herself from saluting during a newsreel when they showed Hitler giving a speech. Her constant hectoring about information about the atomic bomb our boys are putting together out in the desert. She seemed awfully interested in atomic science for a girl. As shocked as I was, I couldn't resist rubbing von Helsberg's nose in it. Your daughter! That's shocking, seeing how much brain she had in that pretty skull of hers. That's when von Helsberg yelled for his goons. My German is nicht so gut, but I know enough to know that he told them to beat me within an inch of my life, but not to kill me, because that would be his honor. He said an inch. a mutual note for you. Even the most active of youngsters needs a brief let-up now and then from summertime strenuous outdoor play. 
Every weekday afternoon at 5 o'clock, Mutual presents a variety of programs to delight all children. There are exciting adventures in a fantastic land of imaginary characters where anything is possible and all things are wonderful. Kids and grown-ups, too, will love these fancy-free tales of -of out-of-this-world entertainment. The Best of the West comes your way as well every Monday through Friday afternoon when you can listen to the cowboy songs and tunes that are everyone's favorites. The music that is part of the history of frontier days and that still is part of the background of Western life today... This is the last week. Yes, this week is your last chance on this program to hear how to get a 14-carat gold-plated copy of Sergeant Preston's famous mounted police whistle. So hurry, get this official two-tone police whistle offered only by Quaker Puffed Wheat and Quaker Puffed Rice. The swell-tasting king-size cereals shot from gun. You get with this terrific whistle a 12-inch gold-colored braided nylon cord to hang from your buttonhole or belt. It's a beauty of a whistle, plated with gleaming 14-karat gold. It's a heavy whistle. You can feel the weight and quality of the heavy-duty metal. It's a big whistle, actually over three and a half inches long. And listen to its two-tone sound that shows it's an official police whistle. Think of the signaling you can do with this Sergeant Preston whistle. Perfect for dark night. Handy in any emergency. Just what you need for training and calling your dog. Don't forget, this police whistle is not for sale in any store. To get it, buy a package of Quaker Puffed Rice or Quaker Puffed Wheat. The famous breakfast cereals shot from guns. Actually exploded up to eight times normal size to make them bigger and better tasting. Delicious and tender as nuts in November. Then send the box top with only 35 cents. That's 35 cents and your name and address to Yukon. Box L, Chicago 77, Illinois. You'll get a money-back guarantee with your swell 14-karat gold-plated Sergeant Preston mounted police whistle. Yes, hold it in your hand. Blow it just once. And if it isn't better, far better, than any other whistle you've ever seen, you may return it and get every cent of your money back, plus postage. So hurry, hurry, hurry. This is the last week of this radio offer. Send 35 cents and a box top from Quaker Puffed Wheat or Quaker Puffed Rice to Yukon, Y-U-K-O-N. Yukon, Box L, Chicago 77, Illinois. And now the conclusion of this episode of The New Adventures of Johnny Nut Punch. When I came to, I was sitting in a chair in front of a desk. Behind the desk sat Von Helsberg. I wasn't handcuffed. I think he wanted me to try to run. I wasn't going to give him the satisfaction. And now we come to the end of our little dance. Yeah, and you didn't even step on my toes. (laughs) Again with the jokes. Such a funny man. So, you are free to leave. So you can just shoot me in the back? He'd like that. Yes. It is one of a few of my favorite things. Knock off the sound of music, crud. If you're going to kill me, get it over with. No, no, not until after the surprise. Oh, is there going to be cake? Better than that. Come in now, my darling. A panel slid open behind him and out stepped Lenore. The rare and radiant.
at one time maiden, the angel's name, Lenore. It is remarkable what your American doctors can do. It took a while for my hair to grow back, but a little time and several metal skull plates, and here I am. Well, spank me until my bottom gets all puffy and call me the Marshmallow Man. Still kinky, I see. You loved it, you beautiful skank. Enough, Miss Love Talk. My beautiful daughter, though she is still beautiful, had to go through years of painful surgeries because of you, Johnny. And I waited until she was released from the hospital so she could see me avenge what you did to her. That's the thing about vengeance. Once you've had it, you want more. And when you get more, it's never enough. It's like cake. Von Helsberg reached into his jacket and withdrew a Ruger pistol, a true Nazi to the end. He stood up, his daughter behind him, and leveled his Ruger at my forehead. As I recall, Lenore, he shot you right above the left eyebrow, yeah? He took aim. I closed my eyes. I've seen a lot of things, but my own brains were not about to be on that list of things I've seen a lot of. Goodbye, Johnny. I heard the gunshot. At first I thought he missed. Then I figured I must have been killed instantly. It finally dawned on me to open my eyes. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Von Helsberg was standing in front of his desk, blood pouring from a through-and-through bullet wound from his shoulder blade to his sternum. Lenore had the derringer in her hand. It was still pointed at her father. Nobody kills the man I love except for me, and not while I still love him. So, as you can see, Father, this was a predicament. Von Helsberg remained standing, wobbling, but standing. I am going to die, but before I go, I have to know one thing. And what's that? Your name, Johnny Nutpunch. How did you get that name? I thought you'd never ask. Oh, Daddy, you should not have asked that question. I balled up my right hand into a fist and... We get you a private high license, 
And you're my partner. Hmm. That is a much better prospect than being a prisoner on death row. Baby, that's the nicest thing anyone said to Johnny Nutpunch in a long time. on this Behringer Broadcast System station for the next episode in the new adventures of Johnny Nutpunch. You're listening to the BBS, the Behringer Broadcast System. Blood on the Microphone is a presentation of Deep Brain Media. Until next time, this is Cedric the Announcer. Stay safe. And wing nuts. Are you ready? It is later than you think.